Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Tim Suckermel. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. Their technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market. And they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome Tim onto the show. So, Tim, welcome to the Science Support Podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Matt, for having me on. Uh, the pleasure is all mine, of course. So, you're here to discuss weightlifting deli- derivatives. But before we do, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, like, like a lot of other people, gone to university, got master, you know, undergraduate, master's, went on to do my PhD under Dr. Stone in sport physiology and performance. And a lot of what I do uh, at the university is, you know, centered around my teaching as an assistant professor, but I also work as a human performance coach at Carroll University with a variety of the teams. But, you know, one of my other responsibilities with that is kind of spearheading the, uh, the monitoring of our athletes in terms of their performance and uh, head of our graduate program as well. But uh, a lot of the other stuff has to do with research and uh, strength and power development and uh, weightlifting derivatives. Which is why you're the absolute perfect person to, to be answering some of these questions today. Um, so let's kick off with the, the first one, which is probably the easiest one, I think. What are Olympic weightlifting derivatives and how do they differ from full lifting derivatives or full lift Olympic lifts? Sure. As the uh, as most people know, probably listening to this, weightlifting movements in general, there are two. You know, we have the snatch and we have the clean and jerk. Uh, typically, what we refer to as the derivatives is we are removing a piece of those movements. So if we talk about a talk about a, a snatch derivative or a clean derivative, we're talking about a movement that is either removing the starting position, where instead of going from the floor, we may go from the knee, we may go from the mid thigh, uh, you know, an additional hang position where we have a counter movement with their, uh, where they start at mid thigh down to the knee, et cetera. Um, so those are catching derivatives. So we're changing the position of where we may be performing that catch or where we may be initiating the movement. Uh, from a pulling derivative standpoint, we're talking about removing the catch phase, but also altering the starting position of the movement where we could perform something like a pull from the floor, we could do a pull from the knee, a counter movement shrug, we do things like a high pull or a hang high pull, a jump shrug. So essentially what a pulling derivative is, is we are removing the catch phase, but also modifying the starting position of a traditional weightlifting movement. So that gives us a lot of options as coaches to, to implement different types of exercises, which give you different specific physical adaptations. But what are the physiological advantages, disadvantages to using derivative movements? So you can look at this from a, a number of different perspectives. You know, those who are more traditionalists when it comes to weightlifting movements want to prescribe generally more catching derivatives. It's thought that 
compared to the traditional weightlifting movements of a snatch and clean, uh, that you're going to get, you know, more benefits from it from a, um, from a force standpoint, from a force acceptance standpoint or load acceptance standpoint, because that catch movement is going to be involved. They're semi-ballistic exercises in general, and we can load them, you know, pretty significantly. But uh, the main limitations of something like a, a catching variation is in order to get a true maximal effort, you probably are limited in the sense of where on the loading spectrum you can load. On the upper end, obviously, we can't, we can't clean or we can't snatch any more than our 1RM. Now, 100% is 100%, and it's a, it's a very objective movement. You either catch the weight or you don't. So... We're limited in that sense, but we're also limited on the lower end of the spectrum. Uh, probably about 50% uh, or lower, we're probably not going to see a maximal effort that's given. And if we do give a maximal effort with that type of load, it may actually alter the movement mechanics in a way that is uh, not going to be efficient. An example would be if we're doing a clean variation where um, you know we're supposed to rack the bar at max height. Well, the athlete is only going to give maybe partial effort to get to that max height where they can rack it, or if they put, you know, their full pull into it, then the bar is going to loop up almost above their head and come crashing down on them. So purely from a a physiological standpoint, though, catching derivatives, you can certainly receive benefits from both the uh, kind of the pulling phase, as we previously talked about, or the catching phase. In fact, the catching phase has been shown as a project by uh, Lauren Chu's group where they show that a catch can actually benefit uh, kind of that landing, um, that landing or yielding type strength where you are uh, accepting an external load. So we can certainly get benefits from that. Uh, now, obviously, from a propulsion aspect, we're going to be moving moderate to moderately heavy loads quickly. And a benefit of that is it's going to mimic the demands that we have in sports where we're trying to move quickly uh, under given loads. If we shift gears to more pulling derivatives, now we're starting to expand the spectrum of where we can load. So there's two kind of types of pulling derivatives. There are velocity dominant derivatives, such as the jump shrug or the hang high pull, or force dominant derivatives, such as a pull from the floor, pull from the knee, a counter movement shrug, and a mid-thigh pull. So starting with the velocity dominant ones, we can actually provide more of a ballistic intent with these movements because we, uh, when we eliminate the actual catch phase, we're less worried about, uh, you know, decelerating during a pull to drop under the bar and catch it. Now, these are kind of classified as velocity dominant movements because of their ballistic intent, but also the fact the displacement of the bar is going to be really, uh, it's going to be large. And we're going to use lighter loads with these exercises for the velocity type purposes. Example is something like a jump shrug. We may prescribe anywhere between 30 and maximum about 50% of a, of a catching variation to keep the, to keep the uh, load light, but also move it relatively quickly when we jump. Uh, on the force side of things, with uh, any of the derivatives that we mentioned, you're focused on moving heavy loads, possibly in excess of 1RM. There's been some research out there that clean pulls uh, from the floor, counter movement shrugs, hang clean pulls, uh, maybe using loads upwards to about 140% of 1RM. And the benefits of that are obviously positional strength if you're holding on to it, 
but also the fact that you have uh, force dominant movements where we can expand um, expand loading and get those force dominant adaptations and high force rate of force development and power development. So really, what uh, pulling derivatives do in addition to catching derivatives is we expand that entire loading spectrum to get the adaptations based on um, what we're trying to develop each phase. I think that's uh, an excellent example of giving practitioners lots more options. Um, so the combination of different exercise options, but also the combination of different loading options to, in the end, get different adaptations for their athletes. Um, probably the most important part of the of the podcast is working out how we can make that into a an actionable program to enhance athletic performance so how would you go about doing that in uh, perhaps one of your teams or uh, athletes that you work with throughout uh, a year for example sure so one of the teams i primarily work with here at carol is our uh, our women's volleyball team and you know traditionally speaking you may not get a lot of um a lot of volleyball players doing a lot of Olympic derivatives, but the fact that they um, are ballistic athletes where they have to jump high, we want to give them an exercise stimulus that's going to help them jump high, be strong in their legs. So what we end up doing is based on what phase that they are current that they are currently completing, is we we use the exercise derivatives or the exercises that will develop the goals that we have at the time. So if we're talking about a strength phase, for example, we have two goals. We want to enhance our ability to produce force, peak force, and we also want to increase the rate of force development uh, aspects that they currently have. So we do that by having these movements that are going to be loaded pretty heavily, such as a mid-thigh pull, a pull from the floor, or a counter-movement shrug, uh, to help develop that high force power uh, and rate of force development. So, but if we shift to something that's more of a strength power type phase or strength speed, speed strength type phase, then we shift our emphasis where we still have a force dominant movement, uh, such as a counter movement shrug, as we have a stretch shortening cycle involved. Then we start to shift to exercises that are going to be faster, hang high pulls, jump shrugs that are velocity dominant movements. And I'll be honest with you, our volleyball players have not caught a bar uh, or turned over the bar in about three or four years because we've seen the adaptations uh, continue to continue to go up with our athletes. So it's not to say that we couldn't incorporate catching derivatives just as a novel stimulus, but we haven't seen the need to have to do that with the athletes. Keep in mind some people may be concerned about the development of kind of the eccentric or yielding type strength. What some people forget about is the fact that after you pull the bar, the bar just doesn't disappear. So we hold on to the bar throughout the movement because they still have to quote unquote set the load afterwards. If you look at the displacement of the bar after you pull it during something like a high pull compared to something like a power clean, the, bar, the power clean is going to reach a peak bar displacement. If you're performing a power clean, the bar is not going to descend very far from where you rack it. Now, if you're doing a, a hang clean where it's a full catch, you obviously are going to ride that bar down and, the, you know, the displacement gets bigger. But if you have a movement like a high pull where the bar has to typically travel as high, if not higher, than a catching variation, 
the bar has to go somewhere and it, it's going to come down back to the mid thigh power position where we pulled it from anyway. It's the strongest position in weightlifting, but we also can accept an echo load in that position as well. And we did a study uh, a couple of years ago that we compared the kind of the load acceptance characteristics of a hang power clean, a jump shrug, and a hang high pull all performed at various loads across the spectrum. And what we ended up seeing is that the load acceptance characteristics are all unique to the exercise. For example, something like a hang power clean is going to have a moderate force over a moderate duration. We're going to end up seeing that a jump shrug is high force over a short duration, and something like a hang high pull is going to be lower force over a longer duration. So when when uh, you get practitioners that say, well, we're, we have to do a catching variation because of the load acceptance, I agree that it's a benefit, but that doesn't mean that that is the one exercise that you're going to do because you may want uh, higher forces over a shorter period of time when you have to land during something like a jump shrug, which is also simulated during things like sprinting, change of direction, etc., but maybe you don't want to overload them too much with a lot of force. So maybe you say, okay, we're going to do a high pull and it's going to be over a longer duration so they can get used to developing that type of force. So again, it's a spectrum of loading from not only the concentric side of things, but it's also a spectrum of loading from the eccentric side of things as well. I think that's a, a really interesting way to look at it that you're also working with eccentric factors, uh, especially for uh, volleyball athletes who are going to do a lot of landing as well. So I imagine uh, for them, the eccentric load is already super high. Um, and it's just a case of making sure that the, the icing is on the cake and they're doing that um, appropriately at the right times. This podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based training system available, and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. But um, could you give us uh, maybe... Uh, a loading parameter next to those exercises along the course of those different phases. So you mentioned, um, for example, maybe starting in a, in a strength phase and moving on to a, a, a faster phase. Could you give us, for example, um, an Olympic lifting derivatives that which you might use and then some loading parameters for that at that time? Sure. Uh, when we're talking about a strength phase, if we're doing something like a clean pull from the floor, we may be anywhere between about 80% of our catching 1RM upwards to about 120%. It's obviously going to be dependent on the athlete. Uh, technique is going to be key. And we've done to kind of make sure that technique stays um, stays solid is you may end up doing cluster sets uh, from time to time. Uh, now, with something like a, a counter movement shrug, we're looking at, we can work all the way upwards to 140% of their 1RM if we would like to, but a minimum typically of about 110% if we want to keep the speed a little bit higher. A, uh, something like a mid pole, we usually do in a squat rack, so we have it off of the safety pins or off of, uh, boxes set at certain heights. And that exercise, again, is going to be minimum of about 
110, 120% upwards to about 140%. It's going to be based on the, the individual as always. Uh, as for the hang high pull and the jump shrug, jump shrug, we usually keep anywhere between about 30 to 40% just to keep it really fast. And for some, when we get to more of a speed strength block, we may actually drop down to about 20%. Uh, for hang high pulls, based on some of our previous literature, peak power is a little bit higher than um, in terms of loading compared to a jump shrug. So we usually keep that anywhere between about 40 to 50% of 1RM. I think that's a, an excellent example of how people can use that over a course of weeks or months to make sure that they're uh, getting the, the stimulus that they need for their athletes. Um, before we start to round off, I want to ask you the, the most difficult question which we can think of, and that is what is the one thing that you see or do differently which the rest of the world can learn from? Oh, boy. Um, I personally... I think we get too stuck in our silos, um, especially when it comes to a controversial topic like weightlifting and with our athletes. Because there's going to be some people in the world that say, well, we're not training weightlifters. You're right. We're training movements in the weight room, though. So that being said, can we use weightlifting movements? Yes. Are there other ways that you can train triple extension? Yes. Uh, but I would also argue that there are ways that you can be a lot more efficient at training um, training that movement plus have additional benefits. So whether you're performing a catching variation, whether you're performing a pulling variation, it's kind of your total body type exercise working both the concentric and eccentric side of things. So the way that I look at things is I get people who will uh, question, you know, the research that we do because it's less traditional than what they may have done previously. They may say, well, you know, we, we need to catch things. And it's like, well, depending on your goal, you can catch things. It doesn't mean you have to do it all the time. So I guess the way that I look at things is, again, what is the adaptation that you want? What are the exercises that can get you to that adaptation? The way that I look at things in terms of the research that we're doing with weightlifting derivatives is that I'm not taking things away from a coaching toolbox. I'm trying to provide more options to coaches. So I'm trying to expand the toolbox. I'm not trying to take things out. If you want to teach an athlete to do a power clean, then teach an athlete how to do a power clean. But at the same time, if they're, if they have to take that extra time to learn how to do the movement, why not use, while you're doing drills or whatever to, to teach someone how to catch, why not use a pulling variation as your primary exercise stimulus at the time? That way you're not necessarily, I'm not going to use, I don't like to use the word wasting training time, but if you want to learn how to catch, you're going to have to do drills. You know, you're going to have to front squat for a clean. You're going to have to overhead squat for a, for a snatch, but why not use a pulling derivative at the time as a primary exercise stimulus and then progress to those catching derivatives? Because then what you're doing is you're providing a novel training stimulus or an effective training stimulus for what you're trying to develop in addition to teaching someone an additional skill versus just saying, okay, well, we're, we're not going to do pulls ever. Um, and then you spend all the time teaching someone how to do a catching derivative. Good coaches can obviously teach catching derivatives. Uh, athletes, there's, there's good athletes and, and uh, tougher athletes when it comes to teaching it. So 
what I, again, I'm trying to help expand the options for coaches when it comes to training for, uh, you know, strength, endurance, training for strength, training for power. All these things can be accomplished with weightlifting derivatives. It's really just a matter of what you're using, when you're using it, how you're loading it. And, you know, I think pulling derivatives and catching derivatives, especially also can give us more options. I think that's uh, an excellent summary as well. And it helps uh, put it into the perspective that it's it's not about choosing this or that. It's actually about having more tools in the toolbox and ensuring that you can get a good stimulus for your athletes at any given time. So I think it's uh, it's really nice to put that uh, that little last point on the fact that you can combine these things and make sure that you're getting a stimulus as well as a learning technical competency. Yeah, I mean it does not have it doesn't have to be one or the other. I think a lot of people may read some of our literature and say, well, they're saying don't do catching. And I said, and I challenge anyone to to go and kind of look at the literature that we've put out there. None of it says don't do catching variations. What it does say is that you may consider using pulling derivatives in addition to what you're already doing. So again, if you want more force, you're limited to 100% with a catching variation, then use an exercise that can go beyond that. So if you're limited from a velocity standpoint, you know, because you're at 50% of a catching variation, go below that with a pull that doesn't require you to drop under um, a really light load and not getting that stimulus. So again, it's not one or the other. This is why strength and conditioning and especially weightlifting derivatives, the area is entirely gray. I think that's an excellent summary. So Tim, massive thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure everyone else who's uh, listened as well. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much, buddy. Cheers. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Tim for all of his hard work in today's podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our free-to-download agility mini-course. That's around two hours of absolutely fantastic content on agility, giving you all you need to know, broken down into bite-sized chunks. So, if you're interested in that one, be sure to check it out and download it for free in the show notes. And before you leave, also be sure to subscribe. So in just a few seconds time, click that subscribe button on whichever sender you're currently listening to. That helps us to grow and of course to bring you the best content possible. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Salon for Science Sport and I'll speak to you next time.